Hello you and welcome to the My Broadcast Podcast with me, your host, Laura Mann. In this series, I'm joined by a bevy of brilliant babes to talk all things metastatic breast cancer, getting into the nitty gritty of the challenging topics that we need to be speaking about, but often don't. In today's episode, I'm joined by my really good mate, Nikki Newman, to chat all about metastatic breast cancer and friendships. We really hope you enjoy this episode and we'd love to hear from you. So give us a shout and let us know what you're thinking using hashtag my broadcast on Instagram. Nikki Newman, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, I'm not looking as glamorous as you, that's for sure. I'm starting looking like a little baby mouse. I'm not no quite sure why on. I made an effort. You know, when we're on podcasts, you know, no one can see me, but never mind. Yeah, no, I can see you and you're looking gorgeous. How are Thanks. you doing, mate? I'm good. Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. Yeah, it's all, it's all going well in my world at the minute. Well, that's such a good thing to hear, even in COVID <laughs> times. You don't hear it normally. I'm like... And normally I'm like to everyone, oh, how are you doing? They're like, well, you know, up and down, day by day. And you're like, I'm fabulous. <laughs> My hair is curled. I'm wonderful. You're good. A little bit of a curl curl and a bit of makeup makes a huge amount of difference. And normal people clothes as well. I'm telling you, it's a game changer for the mental state. Especially yeah, actual lockdown. human clothes. I never yeah. thought in a million years, Nikki, that I would have a whole shelf dedicated to tracksuits. <laughs> um, that's 2020. That's my 2020 look. Hashtag um, 2020 lounge. <laughs> hashtag 2020 loungewear. Um, we're going to be talking about friendships today. And, you know, it's something that probably when you think about cancer, it's not the first topic that comes up. You know, it'd be all the other facets around it, but it's such an important one. And something yeah. that can have such an impact on you and your mental health and everything that goes on in your life. If you haven't yeah. got that solid friendship base and the impact. But before we get into the the dirt of friendship <laughs> chat. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about you um, and your metastatic cancer experience? Yeah, so I was diagnosed with secondary or metastatic breast cancer back in April 2018 now. God, that seems like mm. literally yesterday. Um, and I uh, I was diagnosed de novo, which basically means that you're diagnosed straight into a secondary. So most people will go through a primary diagnosis and then will be re-diagnosed with a secondary. Um, I was thrown straight into the deep end. Straight you know, into don't, the deep I, end. Don't do things by half me. Um but it was literally after a round of, I was actually going through IVF and this was completely unrelated to cancer. So I was going through an infertility journey, if you like. I don't, not, mm. not a fan of that word, but still. No, experience and, um, we'll say. Experience, yeah, an experience, yeah. And um, it just, it all just, it all kicked off from there, really. I think it was because my cancer is hormone driven and I'm pumping myself full of loads of hormones for the IVF. It just, what we think happened was it accelerated the growth. So mm. I'm, I'm a naturally lumpy person anyway I've got loads of lumps and bumps if you got a textbook out of all of the different lumps and bumps you can have in a boob I've got them all I've literally <laughs> I've ticked them all off um but just one was just getting bigger and I was getting lots of sharp pains and like my nipple inverted and like my skin was pulling basically all of the signs of breast cancer you can imagine I was getting every them. single one you ticked all every the boxes every single one yeah 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 and um and I knew in my gut I'm very clued up with it I've always checked my breasts I knew it was cancer straight away um what I didn't expect was it to be secondary and at, at that point mm. I didn't even know what secondary cancer was yeah and and in that moment you know, where, where where had it spread to and what did they say? Were they like, it's cancer, FYI, it's here, yeah. here and here. Yeah, so it Is was... kind of how so it we, went? Yeah, so basically I was told that I had... I was confirmed primary breast cancer and I thought, brilliant, got the hat on. I was like, I can do this, no problem, let's get through it. And then I was sent for a few scans because I was having some back pain. No one really knew what was going on. I didn't think anything of it because, you know, I, I had no awareness mm. of what the, this could be a possibility. Um, so I was sent for this scan, came back a week later to see my surgeon to get my treatment plan and to, you know, talk about if I was going to have a mastectomy or not or anything like that. And I just sat down and she stared me straight in the face and she just started to cry. And I was like, what? what what's what? going on yeah this consultant just started to cry and she was like I'm really sorry there's nothing I can do for you and I was like I completely went into blind panic and I thought what, what Mate, do you mean there's nothing yeah it was completely that's not, handled that's completely, completely that wrong is, <laughs> that is not a kosher response or no, 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 a delivery no. of <laughs> cancer treatment mate no, it was terrible. And you can imagine my whole, what my pit of my stomach just fell to the floor. And I was, and she just said, I'm really like, it, what she meant was because she was a surgeon, 
there's nothing she could have done for me not as okay. a medical team <laughs> but it just came across wrong um yeah and but she no that doesn't come across wrong pick your words you should be, they should be like yeah. it's spread <laughs> It is incurable. However, these are the processes we're going to have in place. And don't cry. I know. It was terrible. It was literally the whole situation. I, I was completely the same. I was completely dumbstruck. I think my mum my mom just kind of looked at me and her and was like, well, what are you talking about? And then they, she obviously said, she was like, right, mm. it's spread to all of your bones. Like it's, it's quite extensive. Um, so we need to get you started on treatment ASAP. And this was the next day, basically. Um, mm, okay. And the first thing I did was ask to see my scan. And I literally lit up like a Christmas tree so for people that don't know on a PET scan it basically shines brighter in the areas that the cancer is active mm. and so my whole skeleton was just lit up and I was like oh wow okay this is quite intense <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> yeah and then yeah from that moment on my world completely flipped 180 and changed and welcome Nick version 2.0 2.0 this Nicky the sequel yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> But you didn't just get diagnosed, Nick. Like, for you, you know, you're a young woman, a very young woman to be diagnosed, and especially with a secondary diagnosis, you know, you went off then and couldn't find women like you, and you create something quite special. I love Laura. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So mm. it was, it was what, and you're, you're totally right. When you're first diagnosed with cancer, you're thrown into this world of complete loneliness. No one else in the world has got what you've got. No one else is in your mind. No one else is experiencing or going through what you're going through. And it took me probably a good three or four months before I found someone on social media that was going through the same thing I was and who was living well. And that was the first time I had a glimmer of hope that, okay, maybe I can deal with this. Maybe I can still live with this. And then I started to go to a few, you know, cancer events and meet a few people. And I came across Laura. Um, Now, Laura is basically exactly the same age as me, same diagnosis. We both don't have children and both really wanted them and now can't. Um, And she felt the same. She was like, it took me so long to find you. And I don't it's one of those things. If you're diagnosed, you want someone to immediately pick you up and make you feel that you can do it and show you that you can do it. And so we yeah. we just crazily came up with this idea of starting a page on on social media and we call it secondary sisters. And it's it is a it is a place for people to go. We share stories of other people thriving with the can with this diagnosis. We share easy basic information not only for patients which we've actually had we have feedback from patients Mm. to say that no one had ever explained how an MRI machine works and Mm. it's it's simple things like this that can help the process be a little bit easier but not Mm. only for patients but for the general public friends and family as well to understand it a little bit more because I think you know a lot of the time that side of things is very much left out you know all the information gets offloaded onto the patient and not onto the people that surround us and support us so it's true and then you get asked all the questions in life don't you you get asked the first question is do you want to go for a coffee I never got invited out for so much coffee in my life the minute I got diagnosed with cancer I'm like okay so this is a thing <laughs> yeah, and like then it's friends, all the questions, isn't ago. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's a huge amount of pressure as well when you're trying mm. to, you know, you're trying to digest this news and to and to com- you know make sense of it in your head. The last thing you want to be doing is explaining it to you know over and over and over mm. again. It's quite it's mentally draining. So we hope that that space gives a little bit of you know helps helps as much as it can. Yeah, I agree. I think it's always good. My brother became my social secretary. So any questions got fielded to my poor younger brother who just had to answer everyone's questions for me. But I was like, I've got cancer. You can do that. That's a minor. You can do that. You can do that. Um, And we're talking about friendships on the podcast today. And like, you know, being a a young woman, your your life does revolve around your friends. Your social life is like key. Um, And it all of a sudden you stop becoming, you know, whatever. Like for me, I was like, the party girl I was like always the loudest one in the room shock um <laughs> you know and never <laughs> me um and then all of a sudden I became cancer patient your label kind of switches and it's a really yeah. hard thing to navigate and you know when I got diagnosed with the with with cancer I, with the, I had a few friends who kind of knew what was going on so they'd been texting me throughout the day to find out what was happening and it was just as simple as a text back going it's not good news me be down the pub basically mm-hmm. um but how did you go about telling your friends like and what did it feel like in the lead up to it because it, for me I didn't really have a lead up because I just literally just went 
I've got cancer, come to the pub. How, was was there a lead up and, you know, um, how did it feel? It's, it is a bit of a funny one. So, effective, so I was diagnosed and then immediately admitted to hospital. So I was, in a way, it was quite good for me because it meant that I was taken away from everyone and it, it gave me that time to sort of work out how I was going to handle it. Um mm what I I had probably a handful so my friend like my my best friends and my family were the only people that came into the hospital and I was very clear about that I was like I do not want visitors I need to work this out for myself um what I did do and I continue to do to this day and I tell everyone that I ever meet to do this is to set up whatsapp groups so Mm. I literally set up a whatsapp group with everyone all of my closest friends that I wanted to know what was going on and I just sent out this blanket message and I said this is the situation this is what I'm going to go through it's not going away just talk amongst yourselves and then I handed my phone to my husband and I didn't deal with it and so and I do this now so every time so I have scans every three months to see if the cancer is still stable or if it's progressing and every single time I have a scan I do exactly the same thing I put a massive update into this group and then I just let it feed out (laughs) basically Um, but but so that that was a good way of doing it for the masses for the for the people closest to me that's when it gets a bit more tricky but I think so, for example, when I was in hospital, and this is this is very personal to myself, but my best mate walked into the room and she just said, "Well, you're being a bit overdramatic about this, aren't you?" <laughs> and I was, and it was exactly what I needed at that time because you know I'm sitting there, I've just been told that my life's basically going to end a lot shorter than it was I was mm. planning on, and I couldn't have children. Either. Like you know, you can imagine three sixty, mm. yeah. And she just came in, and I just started laughing my head off because I was like I need I, this is exactly what I needed I mean obviously for some people humor is not the way to go but I've got quite a dark sense of humor about cancer same same yeah it's <laughs> it's, it's a coping mechanism and if I can mm-hmm. turn it around and make it funny then it just lightens the mood you know because cancer's dark it can be very dark and depressing can't and it? you need to find the light and sometimes that is 100%. a dark humor light that needs switching on so yeah. you how did your friends react then so like you know, you said one of your friend's reaction was humour. That's probably a coping mechanism for her as well as for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming it's a woman's. I'll say, I'm saying her. Um, it is, yeah. <laughs> <but> ha- <laughs> I just like her. Um, so how did the majority of your friends react to that news? Because it's a shock, especially at our age yeah. being young. Yeah, it was. I'm I'm extremely lucky that I have got such an incredible support group. My friends literally, they said all the right things. And this is something that is is quite you know it's quite common when it comes to the conversation around cancer Mm. and I didn't get any of this you're going to be fine I didn't get any you've got to fight this you've got to be strong you've got to stay positive all these things that people say that is just the wrong thing to say to someone that's just been Mm. diagnosed with incurable cancer um and they all they said was mate this is really rubbish but we're Mm. all here for you and that's all I needed that is all you need. I think everyone's automatic reaction if someone loves you, because my mum does it now, if there's anything I ring mum for, she wants to fix it. And I'm oh, like, yeah. I just want to have a moan, mum, to be honest. I've just rang you to have a moan. Yeah. Um, but people that love you and care about you so deeply, their instant reaction is to want to fix. So to know that they kind of, it's an acceptance, isn't it? Yeah. I think a lot of the time people react that way because they can't accept it themselves. When actually yeah. it sounds like your friends were like, I think it's maybe clear, being clear, though. You were very clear. I think yeah. a lot of it, maybe you need to give yourself credit for, Nick, in that your approach to telling them and, and how you handle that, it doesn't give them any wiggle room to not yeah. be supportive because you're very clear on what the situation is. And then, as a result, how you need to be supported, I guess. Yeah, this is and this is another thing that I'm, I'm quite passionate about, is that we have to, we have to take responsibility for for these sorts of things it's uh, the, the example I always give and it always makes perfect sense in my head is I would never expect one of my friends with children to ring me at two o'clock in the morning asking me advice on how to get their child to go to sleep I don't have children how would I understand that mm. so you can't expect people to know what to do or what to say to you unless you give them the the guide the guidance and, and give them the, yeah. the boundary do you know what I mean so it's yeah you know you've got and it, and it, this is where the cancer crew comes in as well is mm. that you know I would never ring my mates at two o'clock in the morning when I'm up 
and I'm in excruciating pain because my bones are hurting, mm-hmm. they'll never understand that. So this is where, and I know we haven't spoken about this yet, but it's so important to have that separation between your yeah. cancer muggles, as I call them, the pre-cancer yeah. people yeah. and your cancer crew. Because they get it and they get it yeah. on levels that no one else will ever will. And, and also you don't want them, the other people to get it because it means they would have experienced it. And you're yeah. like, it's fine that you don't know what this is about because it means you would, well, it means you, you've had cancer or, you know, living yeah. with it and, and it's, it's also that. yeah it's also really really important I think myself to have that separation between your cancer world and your your world mm. in, in, in a way so you, you know like another coping mechanism that I've set with my my cancer muggle friends if you like mm. is you know when we meet up and we do things I know it's very difficult at the minute with COVID but you know when we are meeting up and doing things I've sort of set an unwritten rule where the first five minutes we'll chat about cancer. It'll be right. How are you doing? What's going on with treatment? We'll see you later scan. You know, are your blood's okay? Mm. And then we don't talk about it again. And because it means that old Nick can come, not old Nick, but no, you, know. you can be you. You can be yeah. Nicky, not because yeah. you get a label, don't you? The minute you have cancer, it's like that becomes your label and it yeah. becomes the one that's at the forefront of everything. So, you know, it'd be like, Nick, she's got great hair. She's really funny. Like all these things about yourself. And then, but the first thing people go, oh, that's Nikki. She's got cancer. It's like the first thing, isn't it? Yeah. And it's so nice to be able to create that boundary and go, oh, you know, like this is the, this is the five minutes I'm, I've got cancer. The rest of the time I'm Nikki. Yeah. And it, I think that's such a, important separation to make and good on you for doing it I think so soon as well mate because like I'm four years down the line since my diagnosis as a primary and I've only just started to go I don't actually want to talk about my cancer thanks very much oh and I say like can you just hear that my cancer as if I've still got it yeah because it's such a big conversation part of my world still so I've just started to change the language around it so for you to have done that from a really early standpoint I think credit to your friend. Oh, really thank you. <laughs> Do you know it's what? No, it's it, a good boundary to set. It, it's, I, I think it's being diagnosed with an incurable cancer completely changes your world and it, it changes your perspective of everything. I'm literally, my friends tell me now that I am, I'm still Nick, but I'm an improved version of myself. And it's, you, you really do learn to appreciate the smaller things in life you learn what brings you joy and what brings you happiness and you learn that you have ultimate control over that so you know if you're if you're someone or you're going through you know and this goes for anything in life this doesn't even have to be specific to cancer if you've got something in your world that's not bringing you joy it's not making you happy change it you have the power to do that um and so and I think that's that's probably one of my major lessons that I've learned through this whole thing Mm. And it's the same yeah. with friends. It's the same with friends. If you've got people in your world that that are not, so, you know, they're not they're not there for you. You know, a friend in my eyes is someone that I can ring at one o'clock in the morning and say I need them and they'll come. Yeah. If you don't have that in someone, if you don't have that relationship, then that's that's it's, it's a two way street. You've got you've got to have people in your life that you know lift you up and support you in the way you need. No, it's so true, and and it's. Also, that those people without judgment and stuff. Like, I always laugh and joke with my best friend, Larice. Like, having to tell her that I was diagnosed with cancer, probably the hardest thing ever. But her response was just like, I'm coming to London. She didn't even live in London. I was like, no, 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 I've got loads of scans and stuff. You can't come now. And those are the people in life you need. You don't need the people yeah. that, you know. Yeah, I think cancer does a really good job of whittling away the, like, the chaff almost. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Se- separating the wheat from the chaff and just going this these are the people that matter and and this is who are important because as you said if you've got people around you who aren't serving your higher good it's a wasted energy and when you've been through something and are going through something like a cancer diagnosis where you you're very hyper aware of your mortality and your time on this planet you want to make sure you're spending it right with with people who who are good for you and because at the end of the day when it all boils down to it it's all about connection isn't it it's all about love for sure um, yeah you want those people are there any people in your friendship groups that surprised you with their reactions good or bad um no not really like I said I'm I'm extremely grateful and I I'm very aware that this is not the case for a lot of people um Mm. and a lot of people lose relationships and it's you know it can be a really really troubling time um I had one friend who I has always come across as a very strong friend and is always very confident that was the one that probably surprised me the most and they just didn't know what to do 
they were completely lost. I, I remember the first time I saw them and I came out of hospital and they just stood and stared and didn't say anything. And then again, it comes back to that responsibility. And my immediate response was, it's OK, let's talk about it. What do you want to know? Yeah. And then it and then it opened up that conversation. And I think he he just needed to sorry, <clears throat> he just needed to know that it was okay to talk about it. He needed permission from mm. me that it was, I was okay to talk. And again, mm. that's another thing as well. Like, you know, there are people out there that really don't want to talk about it and that's fine. Mm. And if you've got something, you have to read the room. You can tell by someone's reaction if they, if they're up for talking about it. I'm telling you right now, scan day and my week of scan. If you come to me and want to talk to me, you won't get anything out of me. I don't mm. want to talk to anyone. And that's my time where I shut off and I go into me and I'm, it's just me and my husband and that's my world mm. until I get the results. And then, but my friends know that. And then you read yeah. that. It's all about reading the room and knowing, it's about knowing you, knowing your friends, knowing who, you know, knowing your loved ones. Yeah. And then knowing you and, you know, your reactions to things yeah. and, and, and what, and not taking it personally because it's so easy, to, isn't it, to internalise anything. Yeah. So, like, someone might be like, oh, they're not talking to me. What's going on? Is something bad? But as if, you know, as they know you well enough and you're quite articulate with the fact that go to scan week, just leave don't me be, I'll yeah. come back to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then people Even- don't worry or panic. They just get it and they're like, all right, fine. They leave you to it and you'll come to them almost, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that that's totally it. I think what, I actually had a progression of my cancer halfway through lockdown. Um, mm. And because of obviously lo- how lockdown is, it, the, it was over a phone conversation, which is never a pleasant situation to be in. My mum was actually with me when I got the phone call and I just told her to leave. I was like, you need to go home. And I just started to cry. And she's like, I can't, I, you know, as a mum, that must be so difficult because yeah. all she wants to do, like you said before, is fix it and make me feel better. And I was like, I just need to, I need to work this out in my head. And she went, okay, I'll call you in an hour. And she left because she knew that's how I process things. So it's about knowing. And uh, did you, did you tailor or do you still tailor? Because obviously with a metastatic disease, there's always going to be something new or something yeah. to talk about right yeah, yeah do you tailor how you tell your certain different friends different news um is there different approaches to different friends because as you're saying like they know you well enough to know that this is your response to certain things yeah do you know your friends well enough that you yeah. tailor certain like giving them certain news or talking about certain things in a certain way you mentioned yeah. before about humor with one of your mates but yeah you tailor it in different ways yeah yeah 100 and it, it, again it, so and like I said it all relationships work both ways don't they so mm. you know my friends my friend my close my my cancer muggle friendship group I mm. can be quite forward with them I can just say it how it is and they will be they'll just pick up the information and go okay fine what's next um Obviously, you have very, very different conversations with cancer crew because they get it on a yeah. completely different level. So you can be a bit more specific and, you know, really talk about the nitty gritty stuff that you wouldn't necessarily yeah. want to talk about, you know, with your normal yeah. friends. Um, and then friend, then your family, my family is a whole nother ball game, And it's, you have to, I have to be a bit more sensitive with them. And it's, mm. it, you know, it's the harder conversations that I really struggle with them just because there's like you said, they want to protect you. They want to make, they don't want this to be happening to me. And it's almost like they're still in the stage of denial about it. And I think they always will be. Um, mm. So that in that case, it's just a case of, you know, they, they know everything, but I have to almost keep them a little bit removed from my cancer world. Yeah. And I think that's a self-preservation thing as, yeah. amongst other things as well. It's protecting them, but also protecting yourself. I think it's quite, mm. you know, it's quite a good thing to compartmentalise the cancer because I think that's something that everyone's really struggles with especially on internet you all of a sudden if you're talking about your experience online all of a sudden you do become this person this this other entity it's like do you ever feel like you're a third person when you talk about your cancer diagnosis like it's Some, happening sometimes yeah yeah <laughs> sometimes do you know, <laughs> but it's I think it's just because I'm so passionate about talking about it mm. um that it's almost like I talk about it so much that sometimes mm. I can talk about my story and then I'm like oh like that's actually me that's me going, yeah going that. through that yeah and it's like you you almost I use social media as almost like a therapy for myself so it's my mm. way of dealing with it um if 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 I can turn my cancer into something that helps other people that makes mm. it worthwhile for me. I, I, I've always said that I've always felt very lost in life. I've never really had a path mm. or not knowing what I'm doing with myself. Mm. As soon as I was diagnosed, I was like, right, this is what I'm here for. 
And it's yeah. and it's the weirdest thing because it's probably, you know, like no one wants to be diagnosed with cancer, but it gave me such a drive in life. Mm. And then, like I said, version, Nick version 2.0 came out and it, it, yeah, it just, it completely, completely flipped everything upside down. But you're right. It can, it can mm. be you, the realization of, oh my God, this is actually happening to me, hits me every now and again. Yeah. And it's, it's quite yeah, you're like, hard oh. when it does. Yeah. yeah I, actually, I had, I had a moment moment. the other night and yeah. And I, I just literally, I had a moment the other day and I just, it was about three o'clock in the morning and I just sat in bed. And I was crying my heart out and I was like, oh my God, this is actually happening. And like, I'm going to die in a few years time. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And then, do you know, I felt this massive release and I was like, wow, okay, yeah. I really actually needed to do that. And I think a lot of the time people forget and think that by crying and letting all this negativity out is a bad thing. And it's not, I see it as a really good thing. It was a massive release. Oh, it's a healing. Up, it's a healing, yeah, isn't it? It's an acknowledging that, you know, it's a release. That's what crying is. Yeah. You know, same as having a burp, really. It's an emotional burp. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, have any of your friendships changed since diagnosis? Like you said, you've been quite fortunate in that, you know, people haven't, what you'd say is like let you down, so to speak. Have any yeah. of them altered in any ways? Because um, cancer tends to do that. It, yeah, I'm no is the simple answer. Okay. I, yeah, and again, I, I will say this, and I um, do not take this lightly. How I know how lucky I am, and I mm. appreciate my support group beyond belief. The only thing that has changed in my life when it comes to friendships is my cancer crew, and I really yeah. did not know or appreciate how important that would become in my life when I was first diagnosed it was like I said it was a very very lonely place and I think until you find those humans that you know you really connect with on a level that get you and understand you it it it, again it changes your world again Mm. it makes you feel like you're, you're you know you're not alone there are people out there that care and not get it um and I find actually sometimes I get more support from them than I do my old crew all my cancer models, mm. as I call them. Yeah, just because they get it on a different level, I guess. Like, yeah. I, I actually find myself, I've like, I'm very fortunate in that I've made friends that are some of the strongest friendships I've ever had. Same. Like, yeah. doesn't matter if I've known them for four years or known them for 10 or my whole life. I, and I've got friends that, when the minute I got diagnosed with cancer, kind of disappeared. Do you know what I yeah. mean? I've known them since I was four. Um, and, and I make you right. It's just this, it's this knowing, isn't it? It's this underlying level of knowing that, you just get each other. You don't even have to say the things that you would, ha- you don't have to explain yeah. anything to them. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the big thing because it's just that knowing it's like me and you having a conversation as women and just having that underlying level of knowing woman to woman. Yeah. We get certain things, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, have, do you think your friend's perceptions of cancer have changed as a result of you being diagnosed massively. and your handling of it? Yeah, yeah. massively. I, I, and I think it also, helps the fact that if you were to look at me you wouldn't in a million years say oh she's got incurable cancer I don't look Mm. like this you know the typical as the media portrays you Mm. know no hair no eyelashes ill thin I I don't look like that and I think and all and all of my friends have said this that they one didn't know that secondary cancer was a thing so now they're all clued up. They're all now checking their breasts every single month, which to me means Muzzle the top. Well done. That's a great thing to do. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and, you know, they now know that it's cancer is not this, you know, cancer is seen in the media is this, you get it, you die, or it's, it's really yeah. bad. And, you know, it, it, it's this real huge negative thing. Whereas actually, yes, it's not a great situation to be in. And I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, but I've come out of it a better person and they've all seen that in me and they've seen, okay, well, you can live with this and it's not, you know, this horror, I mean, it is a horrible thing, but it's not, you know, it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's a doable thing. Yes. I think that's what it is, isn't it? It's like, it becomes this doable thing. I think you're absolutely right, Nick, and that it's portrayed in a certain way and it's seen in a certain way. And I get it. Like, you know, big cancer charities, they need that money and the best, way to do things in in their eyes is see shock tactics but I think we're yeah. a very different generation now and we're coming up and actually going the power of survivorship like even as a secondary breast cancer patient you are surviving every single day you're a survivor end of story every so day. it's those survivorship messages that we need to see because it's the hope and the light whereas actually I make you 100% right even as a primary cancer patient the minute you get diagnosed 
I even now find adverts super triggering because I'm like, oh my God, it makes you feel so overwhelmed, but also so the, the lack of hope and the darkness in them. When actually, you know, there's a lot to be said around because of the money we've raised, these are the lives that have been affected and they're living yeah. longer, happier, fuller lives as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, like there were certain friends that, like you said, there was some people that looked at me, but I could see in their eyes that they, I could see their cogs turning, looking at me going, oh my God, oh my God, she's going to die. Yeah. And I was like, don't look at me like that. I don't think I'm going to die. Don't you start <laughs> thinking I'm going to die. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's the last thing you need. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, don't do that to me. Um, But I think, yeah, I think it's, I think that's what's so important. And until you get cl- up close and personal to the disease in no matter capacity, whether you're friend, family, patient, you don't know the things we now know. And it's something yeah. you can never unknow, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so in some things in life, you know, you hear people talking about cancer and you're like, oh, that doesn't sound great because you know it. But then in other ways, it's so lovely, isn't it? Because someone goes, I've been diagnosed with this cancer. And you're like, hun, what stage? What medicine are you on? Yeah. Where have you been treated? And you can actually talk them off of the ledge. And it's yeah, yeah. a nice gift to be able to give to someone, isn't it? It is. It really, really is. Because it's it's those mo- it's those people and those moments that mean the most. And they make, especially mm. at the beginning of the diagnosis as well. Like I literally, so that that woman I, I mentioned that I, mm. that I found, she actually lives in Canada. And I reached out to her and she's she's got quite a big following. And she re- mm. she replied. And I was like, Oh my God. And then, you know, it was that I knew that someone in the world was, it was a real person. She was really living it and she was really thriving with it. And I was like, wow, that hope is a massive, massive thing. And it's, there's a fine line between denial and hope, I have to say. Mm, um, yeah. But I live on hope and I live on positivity as well. I'm not saying that positivity will cure my cancer or it's going to make it go away because it's mm. complete and utter rubbish. But if you use that mindset, it makes living with it that much easier. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it's, all, it's all about making your life easier and enjoying every moment. So, yeah, you're such an inspiration to me. And I, know, I hate that word when people say it to me, like, oh, you're such an inspiration. But <laughs> I know, just, I love your attitude. Time I hear that, I'm like, mm, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> so thanks. Like, people go, you're so brave. You're so strong. And you're sitting oh. there, like, I just want a McDonald's breakfast. Don't, uh, like, I, ju- that I, just want, I just want to get up and go to Primark. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah, that's all I want to do. Um, you've talked about making new friends. Yes. As a result of of um, having had cancer and the amazing friendships and and you know it's that thing as well. Like although you have cancer in common, it's it's these incredible people and in the multifaceted human behind the diagnosis. Right? It's like mm-hmm. you start to realize again. You see a version of cancer, and um, you just think that's what it is. And when you get diagnosed, all of a sudden this whole new world opens up to you. Yeah. Do you ever struggle with you know? you are quite prevalent on social media and talking about your experience. Do you ever struggle with cutting that side off or, you know, having a boundary set? Because you must get a lot of people coming to you, Nikki, who want advice and almost kind of want to, you know, pop themselves on your friendship shelf and be like, I'm here as well. And, you know, it's like anything in life. You're not going to be friends with every single person you meet yeah, in the bar. for sure. You know what I mean? So how do you manage that? Um, oh, that's a tricky one. Um, I mean, I'm it comes back to protecting yourself and knowing what you want in your life. So I've got who I call my cancer crew. There's a a small group Mm. of people that I go to pretty much every single day about something. Mm. Um, And I've got all of my followers now. I Mm. I call, I I do call them my friends and I do have, you know, in-depth conversations with these people, but at the end of the day, they're not in my life, in my, Mm. my real life, you know? So, So, I do find like there is that the separation on Instagram between Instagram and real life. And it, it can get mm. quite difficult because I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge empath and I mm. want to help everyone. And I, and I want to talk yeah. to everyone. And it, it can get overwhelming sometimes, but people are, are amazing and they understand that I'm doing it. I'm, I'm, it's my trauma that I'm reliving mm. and I'm talking about. And, and I think, I'm very lucky that my following understand that. And so, you know, every now and again, I'll put out, right, I'm having a day off. I'm just going to switch off my phone. And people are amazing about that. Mm. And I think if you're, if you're, and this is where it comes down to in any, anything in life, if you're, if you're open and forefront and honest and you, and you show your truth, people respond to that and they will, mm. and they'll understand that and, and, res, and respond respectively to that. So as long as you have clear boundaries and you, and you're, you're truthful, you know, you can't mm. go far wrong. No, no, it's true. And it's it's good to hold that space and own that space and go, this is me today. Please do not slide into my DMs with your 
stuff. <laughs> um because yeah, well, i'm not i don't have stuff. the capacity for it yeah <laughs> i've had to i've kind of just doing this whole thing at the minute where i'm trying to you know for my own mental health kind of i'm very privileged that i'm able to step back mm-hmm. from it because i'm living cancer-free touch wood um and you know changing yeah changing the language that I use around the disease but also like mate like even as someone with I just like yeah I was wondering about your your social media inbox because I have literally been sent pictures of people's breasts I've been in bed at night you know what it's like you can't sleep first from last thing I did before I go to bed is just check my messages and 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 check my Instagram inbox Mm -hmm. and I have literally been sent pictures of people's boobs multiple times going is this cancer yeah me too and yeah and it's a lot, right, to ha- yeah. to hold. And I think also, like the, like you said, like me and you will get it as as people who have been in cancer and understand the world. But you know, to your mates, they'll be like, "Pardon?" I'm like, "Yeah, like I'm not a GP." And someone sending this to me, and like, because you're an empath, you you do feel like you want to help someone. And yeah. literally, you can do is go. I don't know what to tell you, mate. You need to go to your GP. That's that's um, the result. that is what you have to do, though. That is, we, we're mm. not we're not GPs. We're we're here to provide a, you know a light and a bit of hope perhaps to people and to help mm. and and you know and to raise awareness and all these other things that we do on social media but we're not doctors and even even no. doctors on Instagram can't give advice on Instagram so how if doctors can't give advice we can't give advice and it's stop it's sending like, me pictures of your yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I do get it because you know like I we, it's a human nature thing we we will reach out yeah. to someone that we know is in the know um it's only natural but I think there's an element of trying to calm someone and then directing them to their GP and mm. that's that's the best thing you can do have you had many people, even in your friendship groups, who have had someone close to them be diagnosed with a breast cancer and they go, can you speak to them? Like, yeah. can you talk to them? How do you find that? I I don't mind that mm. because, it, it, like like I said a bit before, I, I do find that, you know, talking about my life and living with cancer is my therapy and it, it is, yeah. it's not the same for everyone, you know, like, you know, and I'm not saying that you should do this or, or whatever, but mm. like I went onto my, my unit where I'm treated at my hospital, um, for my, just my regular bloods that I have every three weeks mm. and my lead nurse came up to me and she said, Nick, we've had someone diagnosed yesterday with secondary. She's very young. Mm. Can you go and talk to her? And I immediately went, yes, of course, and went into this room. Her and her mum mm. are sitting there. Hi, mum. Hi, da-da. Um, and we sat there for an hour. And it was, I left. She immediately put a smile on her face. And she mm. felt that she had someone that she could connect with. And then I left feeling like I'd helped someone. And that fact, mm. again, it comes back to having this diagnosis. I can help people. And that's, yeah. that's, all, that's all I want to do. And it gives it a purpose rather than just being yeah. this disease that I've got to deal with every day. Yeah, but is, is it a sense of almost like rather than being a victim of your circumstances, like being a master of your own destiny kind 100%, of vibe? 100%, yeah. I'm not, I, I, I don't get me wrong. I have my moments where I'm like, oh, woe mm. me. I can't believe this is happening, la, la, la. But that's probably 2% of my life. I, I, I do try mm. as much as I possibly can to make it into make every situation into a positive you can with everything you just have to find the way yeah or your way isn't it it's so individual like 100%. everyone has such different ways of dealing with things don't they yeah and like you like you said there's some days where someone could come to me and be like oh so and so's been diagnosed or someone close to me but like, can you talk about to them about it and I'm like yeah sure and there's sometimes when someone just gives someone my number and I get a message and it's like I've been diagnosed with cancer and so they gave me a number and I'm like whoa like literally I'm just literally sit, sat here eating biscuits and a cup of tea watching a film I wasn't in cancer mode then yeah um and it is important isn't it to separate the cancer mode from Nikki and yeah. like you've done such a great job of that I think in in articulating that with your friends um and as you said there isn't anyone really who surprised you in that respect but if they did how do you think you would handle it like if someone all of a sudden like became fixated on it or distanced themselves like how do you think you'd manage it I would just tell him (laughs) yeah I'm I'm quite I've quite outspoken these days Mm. (laughs) in a nice way no time to waste you're like just say now it is love this is exactly Mm. the point you know like I if I had the rest of my life to live I would probably be a bit 
blase about it and just sort of brush it off and go, okay, haha. But mm. I don't. I'm I've got very limited years on this earth and I do not want to spend them being around the bush. <laughs> it's quite <laughs> it's quite straightforward. If someone does something wrong or says something incorrect that upsets me or or you know is mm. not the right language to you, I'll just call them out. Not in a bad way, but if you're if you you've got the right people this is this is where it comes back to the friendship again if you've got the right people around you they will understand that yeah so if you know if someone does come up to me i think one of my friends once did say oh will you you know um the classic oh you could walk out into the road and get hit by a bus tomorrow it's the yeah. the classic line that everyone uses and i immediately called her out and i said yeah, but you don't know that's going to happen. I know I'm going to die early. I have been hit by a cancer-shaped bus. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I've been hit by the bus, mate. Yeah. I've been hit by it. It's already happened. It's already gone past twice. Around, around. Um, but, and, and then immediately she's like, okay, I hadn't actually, I'd never thought about it that way before. Mm. So if you don't, Teach, if you don't teach people these things, and you don't say mm. how you're feeling or what it means to you, how are they meant to know? Has anyone ever told you you've got the good cancer? Oh, so many times. Oh, it's breast cancer. That's got a really high survival rate. I'm like, absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic. Absolute classic. It is a classic, isn't it? But you know what? I told myself that as well for a really long time. Yeah. And I actually stopped doing it post-treatment because I was just a bit like, you're really devaluing the trauma you've been through and the experience yes. of what you've been through by doing that because... I don't think any cancer is a good cancer no. or a, a diet. You know, it, it's it's more positive in the respect, especially as people who have hormone-driven um, cancers, that there are, you know, more targeted options for you and that, yeah. you know, we know so much about them. Um, but it's not an easy ride. And it's that kind of almost that, that feeling of dismissal. But I know with my friends who said that to me, like you said, um, it was coming from a place of it was – it was them. It was, it was a projection of their emotions, wasn't it? Like yeah. of them going, they had to tell themselves that for me because they were worried for me. Yeah. And there is what I really love, Nick, the way you talk about setting your boundaries is people often think of boundary setting as very, a, a very confrontational thing. Mm -hmm. And it's not at all. It's not Aggie. It's oh, not. No, um, I am the least aggressive. confrontational person you'll ever meet. If, if anyone mm. ever has a problem with me, I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I hate it. So yeah, it's really, really not. It's really not. Mm. and it's such an important message like I wish I'd sussed that a lot sooner the boundary setting thing and being able to go actually hun like this is how it needs to be for me and it's like you said it's the way you hold yourself and the way you articulate that is the response you'll get from your friends and family around you right like so with that in mind before we leave you because I don't want to leave you. I can sit and talk to you all day long. Um, <laughs> we can talk for England, can't we? <laughs> we can, and we do. These are the things that happen. Um, what's the advice you would give to someone who has a friend or a loved one? Um, I guess there's two parts of this. Firstly, what advice would you give to a friend or loved one um, whose friend or loved one has been diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer? But then also the second part is I'd like to know, in terms of what would you give someone advice would you give someone who's been diagnosed in how to handle their friends okay so first one how would i how would how what advice what? sorry there were so many i literally it came out of my mouth and i was like that's a lot that's a, you've just asked like five you, questions sorry you do know, yeah I, it's not it's not it's not it's a real thing laws yeah it's a lot it's it's like it's early it's an early morning thing um at the end of the week it's it's not the, I, need more I just went for this oh, questions. Right. What was the first sorry one? the first question the first question is what advice would you give to someone who has a friend or family member or loved one who's been diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer what advice would you give them on how to best support them okay easy first, and the, i say this all the time first things first is don't try and fix it it's a rubbish situation saying that you know there's going to be new drugs out and they're going to be fine and they're going to they're going to survive it or whatever it's not helpful it undermines the patient it makes us it puts a huge amount of pressure on us and especially you know when things like progression happen that makes us feel like mm. we failed them um mm. so don't try and fix it just acknowledge the situation and just let them know that you're going to be there that that's it's as simple yeah. as that um there was some oh my god there was another really important point then I completely forgot what I was going to say is it gone that way your brain's that way it has 100 percent 
Um, yeah, obviously a lot is gone. <laughs> it's gone. That happens. This, this is what happens. My brain, mate, honestly, I was talking about this the other day. I forget I used to be so good with names and faces. Oh my God. Now I'm like... It's terrible. But you want it? me it's to sing like every single says. lyric to a Bewitch song? True. I know all the lyrics. Yeah. Faces and names. Spice Girls, Absolutely. I'm there. No problem. Oh, be proactive. That's yeah. the other one. <laughs> there it is. There I knew it would come back. The pennies just dropped. Don't right. Mm. So this this is another thing, and I think this or this goes for both primaries and secondaries. In fact, any mm. cancer or, or any sort of trauma or disability or illness in the mm. world is don't ask what you can do to help someone mm. just do something yeah. so yeah. if if you you know if, if you imagine you've got someone that's just been diagnosed and you say what can I do to help you they're already trying to work out and and figure out what's just what they've just been told and to and to deal with their mm. own their own diagnosis they don't need the added pressure of trying to figure out what what you can do to help them so yeah. I know it's very difficult with COVID at the minute and everything and, you know all the restrictions and seeing people and things but it's things like making dinners and then just dropping them off to put in someone's freezer mm. so that if they're having a bad day, they don't have to worry about their dinner. Um, I know normally I would say, you know, don't ask if you can go to a chemo with someone. Just say, when are your chemo dates? I'm coming with you. Obviously, mm. we can't do that at the minute, but it, it's things like that. So it's it's thinking you know, not necessarily don't go to the patient about it, but, you know, there's lots of places mm. online nowadays that give the support and ideas of how you can support a cancer patient. Go to them and then go back to your your loved one that was got, that's got cancer and say, right, I've, I've done my research. I want, I want to help you in this way. Yeah, it's so, it's so true, isn't it? It is those moments. I One of literally what you've just said, one of my best friends around the corner from me and every chemo cycle Day two would turn up with a big, massive Tupperware full of chicken, um, like stew, um, all the veg and all on the bone. So you've got all the good bone broth in there and heart and stuff. And I just used to then like decant it into smaller containers and leave it in the freezer yeah. because you get to a certain point down the line, don't you? Where, you know, you start off with all the best intentions. You're like, I'm going to be. Uh, juicing and doing all these amazing things in my body and then like you're like two three months and you're like I just want to eat cheeseburgers every day I need baked food and stuff like that doesn't burn my tongue when I eat it so like having having those friends who kind of get well not even they just they just like she's gonna need to eat yeah it's the same things like doing someone's food shop it's yeah. going I'm gonna do the food shop for you this week what is yeah. it you need send me a list yeah it's like exactly what you said it's it's taking the decision out of their hands because god it's not nice when you have to make those decisions, is it? It's no. like, what can I do for you? It's like, take it all away. Because you feel like a head. burden as well. If, if someone says, yeah. what can I do for you? And you say, oh, I, I'd really love it if you could do my weekly shop. You feel then you're putting something on someone else. And it's not, you know, it's it, it can't, it's not a nice feeling. Well, it could be a game you play. Someone's like, what can I do for you? It's like, actually, I really need a flight book into uh, Tanzania. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to go um, to Maldives for two weeks, all inclusive. Thanks. Test, <laughs> test a friendship to push yeah. it to the end. How far can I push this card? <laughs> How much do you love me, really? Um, and, <laughs> and in terms of someone who has been diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or any cancer, really, I think you're a really good um, example of how to manage friendships. Like, what advice would you give straight out the park, you know, for someone to help manage and set boundaries in their friendships when they've been diagnosed? What are like the key two points? Um, okay. The first thing I would say is protect yourself. And I think a lot of people mm. immediately go, oh, I've got to make sure everyone around me is okay. Um, at the end of the day, you're the one going through it. So protect yourself. Mm. You, you've got to do what's right for you. So if that means shutting off from everyone for two weeks, that's what you do if that if that mm. if that's that's going to make you you know deal with anything in a, in a better way um the second thing that I always tell people that are diagnosed with a primary or a secondary mainly secondaries more but I do feel it's 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 relevant to both is look up the seven stages of grief okay. um now it's a really important tool it's the first thing that my nurse told me and it it basically lists all of the emotions and the and the and all the feelings you're going to go through mm. um, when you when you go through a new diagnosis. And in fact, it actually mm. applies to progressions as well. Um, mm. And by doing that, it means that you can understand your own feelings and and process information in a, in a healthy way with knowing how to do that. And then in turn, if you're in a good place, it means that you can then communicate with other people in a better way because mm. you know if you're let's say you're in the anger stage of the seven stages 
if you then don't tell your loved ones that you're in that stage and you start lashing out, it can be taken the wrong way. So yeah, learn those or look up those those stages and tell your friends and family to do that too. Mm. Because also, I think this is another thing as well is that you know when we when we are diagnosed with a cancer diagnosis, it's not just us that get diagnosed; it's everyone in our world, and mm. those people have to process that trauma too. It's a slightly different mm. trauma, but it's still a trauma. So that's that's my biggest piece of advice, and I tell everyone to do that. It's so important, isn't it? Because people don't realise it. I mean, someone says, like, what does it feel like being diagnosed? I'm like, well, first of all, it's like your world falls out mm-hmm. from beneath you. But second of all, it is a bereavement. Yeah. It's a it's grief. A loss. And I don't think people talk about that enough. You know what I mean? And I think people are so focused on the getting through or, you know, getting cracking on, like, treatments or a plan that people forget that it is a bereavement. And, like, I, I slept in my mum's bed for two weeks, pretty much. Like, I just... I wanted to be in my mum's bed. I regressed, but I understand now looking back that I needed that because it is a form of like, it, it is a grieving for a life that you had for a future that may not be there. And mm-hmm. I think that is a really, really valuable, val- valid thing to instruct someone and very practical as well, mate, because yeah, I don't think enough people realize that what you go through, it is a grief. It is grief. Yeah, it is. And, and, and explaining that to friends and family as well, because they, they, they're going through a grief too. They don't really see it like that, do they? Because I think, oh, it's not me that's going through it. But No. And it was the first thing I said. I was like, why, why do I need to look up the seven stages of grief? No one's died. And it's not about it's not about death. It's about, like you said, it's about a loss. Yeah. And even with a, even with a primary diagnosis as well. And I think mm. there's this huge pressure on a primary when they get through to just carry on as normal. And it's yeah. not, your life will change forever. And it's, yeah. you, you do, and it's, so it doesn't matter what trauma, what illness, disability you're going through. If you have a massive change in your life, it could even be breaking up with a boyfriend. Oh yeah. That, those grief, seven stages it? of grief are still going to come in handy. It's, it's one of the most powerful tools I've ever, I've ever come across you're you're so wise Nikki Newman <laughs> you're very wise I've taken so <laughs> many so many learnings from you today um it's been such a pleasure to talk to you and I really do feel like like everyone who's listening to this will not only feel heard and relate hard relate um but I think you've given some really valuable tools and to-dos for people to actually manage and cope rather than talking around it so thank you for being so open and candid about your experience with your friends it's been oh, thank you I, I just I just hope to. it helps that's that's literally all I want in life is just, just to help other people make everyone else's life a little bit easier so I hope I do so, that where's a halo someone <laughs> you hang on I'll just have my crown, wings are being halo. steamed out back sorry <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll go get them in a minute <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for your, thank you so much for, for having this chat with me today and if people want to find you and they want to find the work you're doing with secondary sisters where can they yeah. find you Uh, So I'm basically mainly on Instagram. Um, So Secondary Sisters is at secondary.sisters. And then my personal page is nicknacklu on Instagram. You can hear more from me and another metastatic breast cancer babe in the next episode. You can also listen to more episodes on the Furthermore website, furthermore.life and all of your usual podcast places. And if you do know someone that you think would benefit from this series, please do let them know about it and share your feedback on Instagram using hashtag MyBroadcast. So until then, thank you so much for being here and goodbye. This podcast is brought to you by ASI Europe Limited.